Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. Hey guys, it is so good to see you this morning, and um, I hope you really enjoyed that story. I wanted to come up here and be like, that's my favorite story to read to my kids, but the truth is it's really just one of my favorite stories. I feel like the message of you are special, that we are special just because God made us is something that we need to speak into our kids for sure, but it's also just something we need to be reminded of from our Heavenly Father as adults. So I hope you enjoyed that time this morning. I hope your kids got to watch with you. Um, This morning, I just want to say a quick thank you really to David and Kenny. Every time I have to prepare for a message, it really reminds me how hard they have to work. Like guys, we are so blessed with such great pastors like they communicate to us so well and it takes so much time and so much effort to really study God's Word and to be really committed to teaching it accurately to do the study that it takes before and then to present it in a way that's looks like relevant and practical for us so I just want to say just a big thank you to Kenny and to David for all the work that they put in each week um, it takes me months to get ready for this and it takes them just a couple days so I just want to say thank you thank you for leading our church so well. Um, David always asks me to come up with some kind of title for my talks whenever I get to share with you. And this time I was going back and forth between a couple titles. I was really leaning toward Into Darkness. Those of you that know me well know that Star Trek Into Darkness is one of my favorite movies of all time. It may not fit if you're just looking at me thinking doesn't seem like a Star Trek girl, but I really do love that movie Into Darkness. It would kind of fit with parts of our talk today, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's, it's probably not gonna be a good fit. So instead, this morning, I'm gonna call our time together, Living the Blessing, and I wanna talk about what it really means to live a blessed life with God. We're gonna be looking at Psalm 139, and this Psalm came to my mind actually a couple months ago. I was really struggling with just a balance of life, feeling really overwhelmed, feeling uncertain if the things that I was doing, the choices I was making each day were having the desired impact that I wanted to see and that God would have for me. And so in a time of prayer and questioning, this passage came to my mind. And it's, it may be familiar to some of you, maybe not to all, but it is a very common passage for people when they're, they're trying to figure out their purpose or their value. Um, And so this morning, that's where we're going to start. Before we get started, though, um, I want to share a little bit just about what our life has been like. So the exact same day that I sent out a request, a prayer request to a friend of mine to be praying about my life and the chaos that it seemed was like all around me, that same afternoon, we got a message from our school that school was going to be canceled at least until April 13th. And that was a shock and everything started shutting down. Like all of a sudden there wasn't going to be meetings at church and we weren't going to be able to do life group. And I wasn't going to be able to visit my families for work in their homes. I was going to have to talk to them on the phone. There were a lot of changes and I didn't know what to do with that. It didn't take long though for me to somehow resume a similar pace that I had been really questioning and struggling with. It just looked different. Instead of days that were spent, I don't know, driving to work, doing paperwork at the office, I was working from home, trying to navigate kids and 
just family being around while I'm trying to work and trying to find a peaceful, quiet spot. Um, I became the teacher to our first grader and my kindergartner and wasn't really sure what I was doing with that. We also have been working on a major project, some of you know, in our basement, working on finishing it for my father-in-law who lives with us, and we've not been able to get much done. It's been a year and a half, and then all of a sudden, it felt like we had time, so we're spending hours and hours a week down there um, getting the work done, and that felt good. But at the same time, I was still just really unsettled in my heart, and I was still questioning, now I have all this time, am I, am I still making wrong choices? And I kept coming back to Psalm 139. So. Under, under this guise of, well, I have more time, so maybe I'll memorize this psalm. And one of the ways that I thought I'd try to do that was to write it out. I thought, well, I'll copy it down every day and that'll help me memorize it. I still haven't memorized it. I can't honestly say I've written it down every day. I, I do want to encourage you, though, like in the process of writing each day, I found some new observations that I hadn't really paid attention to in this passage, and, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm really excited to share just some of the things that God showed me throughout this time and just really digging deeper um, into his word. So this morning, let's just take a minute and let's slow down and let's invite Jesus in to teach us truth and let's slow our pace and slow our thinking and just hear what he has to say to us. I'm going to pray for us as we get started this morning. Dear Jesus, calm my heart. Help me not talk too fast. Um, just communicate the message that you have for each person watching today. Thank you so much that we get to be in your presence and that we get to be in community, even if we can't be together, that we get to, that we get to watch and, and share together online. Thank you so much for that. And I just thank you for your word and for your truth and how it is new and it is fresh every time we read it, that we can, we can learn something new about you and what you have for us. So I just want to say thank you for that. Just ask for your protection over this time and that we would be drawn closer to your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, as we get started, I just want to give you a little bit of background on Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is in one of the largest books in the Bible. The book of Psalms actually has 150 chapters. It was written by King David. Most of the chapters were written by King David. There were some other authors, but this particular Psalm that we're looking at today was written by King David. Now, some of you may be familiar with him. He was the shepherd boy who slayed a giant, Goliath. He also became the king of a nation, the nation of Israel. And then um, you might also know him for some of his less popular accomplishments. He, um, he ended up being very deceitful at times in his life. He had an affair. He had somebody murdered. Um, not always like the most stellar performance by King David, but he has written so much of this book we're going to be reading and all of this chapter that we'll read today. So that's the background as we get started. Now in verse one, he starts with two simple words. Those words are, Oh Lord, and I just wanted to review for us real quick. Last year, some of you may have been present for our series, Not Who You Think I Am. And that was a series where David taught us about all the, some of the different names for God. Um, and the first one was Lord. And in the Hebrew language, that's actually meaning Yahweh. And it, it has some different meanings to it. Um, one of them is just a sense of how eternal he is. 
um, and just his faithfulness to pursue his people. The first time the word Yahweh or the name Yahweh was brought up in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 3. And that's a story that you may be familiar with. It's when Moses is in the wilderness. He's kind of run away from Egypt and God seeks him out in a burning bush. And he says, Moses, I want you to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and I'm sending you. You're going to be my messenger. You're going to be my leader. And Moses says, no way. Like it's, it's a story for a different day, but Moses knows that the Egyptians and the Israelites both, none of them want to hear from him. And so he argues with God and he gets super reasonable with God. But this is what God says to him in Exodus 3, 15. Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. And so that's the first time that we see this name, the same name that we see in Psalm 139, verse one. So now we're back to David and David says, O Lord, meaning the God of my parents and their parents and all those generations before me, the one who led our people out of Israel, the one whose name is eternal and to be remembered forever, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. And that's just a really interesting statement right off. It might seem like really basic to us. A lot of the truth that we're gonna talk about today is gonna seem kind of basic. But the interesting thing that I've found is that in the pace of life that we tend to keep so often, we almost develop like a spiritual amnesia where the things that are most important and most basic about God are forgotten. And, and we just, we don't remember who he is and that he's with us and for us. And so today we're gonna learn some basic truths. And today, as we get started, the first thing I want you to know about God is that God knows everything about me and he knows everything about you. Now, when we think about him knowing everything about us, that can, that can be kind of odd, um, that he's like paying attention to the details of our life. We might know that, but what does it really mean? And so this verse goes on to give a little more detail when he says, you have examined my heart. The idea here in the word examined is that of a miner, like somebody getting all dressed in their gear and going down into a mine shaft and they're gonna, they're gonna dig up the dirt and they're gonna chip away rocks, all with the goal of finding something valuable, some treasure, something that they're looking for in that mine shaft. And it's the same idea here that our God, our Lord, searches us out. He examines us. He's, he's chipping away at things. He's looking hard to find the thing that he values. It's important to him. He's taking the time to do it. And I just love that idea when we think about it, that the God of the universe, who has no beginning and no end, searches for my heart and your heart with the intent of revealing and unearthing something that he values, like that is amazing. And that is something I don't want to forget that God cares about me that much. Now, as we go on, we're gonna learn a little bit more about what he means about God really knowing everything about him. In verses two through four, we read, you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. And so that whole idea of when we sit and when we stand, 
he says, um, when I travel and when I rest at home, those are all just like the basic things that, that we do every day. At least, at least we used to do, we used to travel. Um, but sitting, resting at home, traveling, like those are just the basics of our day. He's paying attention. He knows what we're gonna do and he cares about what we're gonna do. And then this idea of, in verse two, he says, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. And I thought that was just a really interesting way to put it. Um, that's how it's worded in the NLT. And I thought, now wait a minute, if God knows everything about me and he sees everything I do, then how could I really ever be far away from him? And then the more I thought about it, I thought about my tendency to when I'm praying, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but sometimes when I'm praying, I can be like in the presence of God, like so connected with him. And then two seconds later, I'm thinking about a work situation or I'm thinking about just a relationship issue or it can just be like something I need at the grocery store, nothing like life changing, just anything. My thoughts can go far away. Just last week, uh, David and I had to run to my office, and when we left, I couldn't remember if I locked the door. Like, this is the story of my life. David's always telling me, Stephanie, just do one thing at a time. I am the worst at that. And so even though we were already a few minutes down the road, I had to say, you know what, we're going to need to turn around. I can't remember if I locked the door. And we got back, and the door was locked, but I couldn't remember because my thoughts were far away. And so I thought that wording that, that you know my thoughts even when I'm far away, like that's how connected he is to me. Even, even when I may be physically present in church or with my Bible open at home in my quiet time, like my thoughts are still far away, but he still knows what I'm thinking about. He knows me so well. Now in this verse, the word for thoughts actually has a very specific meaning. It, it doesn't just mean like the things that I think in my head. It means like my aims, my purposes, my motivations. So it's not just saying like he knows the things I think about, but he knows like my real desires. He knows why I think the things I think. He really pays attention to those specific thoughts. Now he goes on and in verse three, he says, you see me when I travel, when I rest at home, you know everything I do. And this word for seeing is also a really interesting word. Um, it really just gives this idea of an attention to detail. Like he's, he values us so much that he wants to really pay attention to each thing we do. Like he's really examining us and like scrutinizing what we do, not for the purpose of criticism, but just because he delights in us so much. And like, that might seem creepy, like, oh, he's watching everything I do, but, but it's really not. Like so many of us do that with the people that we love the most. I think about our kids and sometimes David and I will be downstairs and they'll be upstairs playing in their room and we can just hear them laughing or giggling and it just makes us smile. Like it's awesome to pay attention to hear their little laughs or as we've been working on our basement project, they got to help us paint. They're five and seven, but it's the first time we've like done a project to this magnitude and so they got to help us paint the walls. and. Like just watching them like with the roller up and down, like there's some, there's some 
noticeable places where they like made their mark, that they were there and they were painting. But we delight in that. We delight in getting to do that with them and watching them. It's, it's that kind of seeing. So it's, it's not like a, an oppressive watching us. It's just a delight of paying attention. There, there's also times, honestly, when we watch them because we do want to protect them. Sometimes they'll be outside playing in the yard and, and we want to know where they are so that we can know if, if a car is coming and we can say, hey, like, don't go close to the road right now. Or we have stray dogs that roam through our little neighborhood sometimes. So, so let's get inside. There's a dog coming down the road. We don't know whose it is. Um, and so there's also a sense in the seeing of like a protection over us. And so those are just some beautiful thoughts that I had never really paid attention to. I just thought, he sees me, he knows me, no big deal. Now, this next part in verse four, like really gets my attention. It says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. And I have to tell you, that is a wish, oh, a gift that I wish I had so many times with my kids. Makes me think of the time that we were going to Awana and David and I were not getting along in that particular car ride. And so after Awana, our kids come running out and they're like, we told our teachers that you and daddy were fighting. Oh, I wish I knew what they would have said before they said it, because I would have done something about that. But, but in that sense, like my wanting to know what my kids said, that was really about me like self-protecting, like wanting to present an image. That's not God. That's not who he is. Like, like he pays attention to those things just because that's how much he cares. He wants to know what we're going to say, and he even knows what we're going to say before we say it or if we never say it. It's just that level of attention. God knows everything about me. I'm not really a super outgoing person. God has grown me a lot in that area when I was when I was a teenager or when I was um, maybe in college or even after college. I really struggled um, to, to just speak to people. I wouldn't make eye contact. I, I'd hang back in a room, um, never speaking unless spoken to, those kind of things. And as God has has grown me, he's changing me in that, but there's still a little bit of that in me. However, throughout my life at different times, there's been like best friends, like people that just got me, like they really knew me and understood me. There'd be times when something would come up and we could just look at each other. Didn't even have to say anything because we knew each other so well. Now, as we're looking through all these, all these verses today, I want to challenge all of us to think about this question. Like, why does it matter? So what? What impact does it make on my life that God knows everything about me? That's the question. Like, I, I wrestled with that, honestly. I'm like, well, that's a good thing to know, but why does it matter? And so as I was thinking through this in this past week, um, I, I just sensed, I'm not saying this is from God. I think, I think he has new and fresh things for us in every season. Um, and I don't have the kind of knowledge that he has that knows thoughts and motives. So, but this is just what my spirit sensed, that he wants me to know that he knows everything about me because his knowing welcomes me. It says, I got you. Like, I already know you. I know everything about you. There's nothing you're going to do that surprises me. And I want you. And there is such an invitation there. I never question if I want to spend time with a good friend. I question the people that I'm not really sure what they think of me, how they perceive me, how they'll receive me. But I never have to doubt that with God. And so today, I want you to know that we serve a God who knows everything about us with the purpose of welcoming us to himself. 
So that's the first thing that we're going to talk about today. The next thing is just this idea that God goes everywhere with me. And this is something we're going to read in verses 5 and 6. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great to understand. So first, we have this idea that God knows everything about me. And second, we have this idea that God goes everywhere with me. Now, the wording here in the NLT is you go before and behind me. Some different versions kind of use different wording to communicate this idea. The NIV actually uses the words, you have hemmed me in. And the New American Standard Bible uses the words, um, you have enclosed me. And the idea here is really of like a city under siege, like nobody's going in, nobody's going out, it's locked down. And that might seem really intense, almost aggressive. That's, that's kind of the picture that we get. But he gives us perspective in the next part of this verse where he says, you place your hand of blessing on my head. And so it just gives us that perspective that, that he, surround, he surrounds us, he encloses us, he hems us in, not for the purpose of holding us hostage, but for the purpose of protection and blessing, just like we talked about with our kids. Now, I also think it's interesting, like, I don't know about you, but, but I struggle a little bit with this idea of God being everywhere with me. Like, I think I've known, been taught my whole life that, that God knows everything about me. I haven't really paid attention to this level, but I've known that. And on a surface level, I would say I've known that God is everywhere with me. But when I'm in a moment either of a temptation to sin, or when I'm in a moment of feeling like really discouraged and alone, like, like I don't have a, another person in the world, I can forget this basic fact about our God, that he goes everywhere with me. Let's look how we know this for sure. I can never escape from your spirit, and I can never get away from your presence. Like David is so convinced that God is with him all the time, and he's aware of it. Like, I, I think of people these days that we post pictures on social media, you know? Sometimes we, we post pictures in the moment of something that maybe later we wouldn't be so proud of. Um, I, I wonder how much courage or how much foolishness might be avoided if we just remembered that God is with us. Like that presence changes us. Sometimes it can give us courage to step out and do what he's calling us to do. And sometimes it can give us pause to recognize what he would call us to, the good that he calls us to. I, I struggle, like I really do struggle personally to not believe the lie that I'd be better off alone. Um, and then to not feel bad when I do feel alone. And so this promise is very important to me. When, when we read this verse about never being able to escape from his presence and never being away from his spirit, the word for spirit here is actually the idea of a breath or even of wind. Like we're outside today and you can see the wind's blowing. I don't know what's going on with my hair, um, but like I can't get away from it. I can't stand out here and be like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get away from that wind. Like I just can't, it's impossible. And that's how it is with God. He promises that he is with us all the time. We can't get away from him. 
these verses go on to say, David's like really trying to figure out how can I get away from God? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. So David's already figured out that it's as hard to get away from God as it is to get away from the wind or a breath. And now he starts thinking about what are some other places I could go to? Could I possibly defy gravity and go as high into the sky, like higher than that bird that I see up there, higher than the clouds, further than the sun? Like, could I get further away going the whole way there? Or could I go down to the grave? Um, some versions say Sheol. That's actually like not necessarily even just the hole in the ground that a, that a person would be buried in. It's like it's where they believed a person went after they died. So he says, could I go to this this unseen, unknown place? Could I go to the place where the sun comes up in the morning, ride the wings of the dawn? Could I go to the farthest ocean, like further than I can see, that line where the ocean and sky meet? Could I go there and get away from God? And he comes up with this idea that it's, it's really not possible to do that. It's not possible to get away from God. Even there, he says, your hand will hold me and support me and guide me. So when he decides I can't really go anywhere to get away from God, he decides maybe he could hide somewhere like in the dark. Like if it's really, really dark, maybe then he just will kind of miss me. He won't know that I'm there. And I love this idea because it makes me think just, just a few nights ago for family night, the kids were like, let's play hide and seek. So David and I don't really like to do the stairs in our house unless we absolutely have to. So we are only allowed to play hide and seek on our first floor. And so we're like, okay, kids, let's play hide and seek, but only on the first floor. And they love it. They, they Everybody has to count really loud to 30 whenever they're the seeker and then everybody tries to hide. And it is so fun to play hide and seek with them. But honestly, one of the best things about being the seeker when you're playing hide and seek with Sydney and Logan is that they can't help but like giggle and like squirm and make noise when they've hidden because they are so proud of their hiding spot. They're like, they're never gonna find me here. And then they're excited to be found. It's a combination of things. And then it's so fun when you finally do find them and they scream and we all scream and run around the house. It's great times. But that's almost what it's like. Like when I think about David saying, could I hide in the darkness? It's like our kids, like, could, could they really hide from us on the first floor of our house? Like we played hide and seek a lot. There's not a lot of places left to go. And I just think it's amazing that, that we can't hide from God in a place. We can't hide from him in the darkness. And when he looks for us, he's not seeking to win a game. He's seeking to win our hearts. Like he cares about us that much that he will seek us out. Today, we're, we're looking at this passage and we're asking God, like, why does it matter? Like, I, I feel, I feel dirty. I feel ashamed. I feel like I should hide. Like, I don't have it all together all the time. It'd be better if I hid. You don't really want to see me. And so the question is, why would God want us to know that he goes everywhere with us? What's the purpose? 
And so praying through this passage, looking at this passage, I just got the sense that he wants us to know his presence because he wants us to be secure. Like the person that he has surrounded, that he is blessing, that he is guiding with his hand, he wants us to know that we're secure with him. He welcomes us. He secures us. These are the things that our good God does for us every single day, and it's just easy to forget. I think that it's important to also look at the idea of that security because the opposite of feeling like really secure and confident to me is being afraid. That's something we talk about at church a lot is the idea that the command to not be afraid is like one of the most common commands in the Bible. And one of the things that we talk about a lot also is that so many times that command, do not be afraid, is accompanied by a, pre a promise of God's presence, either his, his faithfulness and presence in the past, his presence in like the current moment, or that he will be with us, his presence in the future. And I think of this story of Joshua. At, at the end of Moses leading the people, there was a transition of leadership where Moses wasn't going to be leading the Israelites anymore, and Joshua was going to be leading them. And, and he was nervous about how that was going to go. They're about to enter this whole new land. And he's, he's looking to God for counsel. And God says to him in Joshua 1.9, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord our, your God is with you wherever you go. And so today I just want to encourage you to pay attention to that thought, that God is with you wherever you go. We are secure in him. We do not have to be afraid. Now, in our story this morning, we, we heard about this character named Punchinello, and he finally worked up the courage to go to the woodmaker's cottage, um, and he got to sit in his shop and see all his tools and see the work he was doing. And at one point, he asked the woodmaker why he mattered to him. And the woodmaker said, simply, because you are mine. And he went on to let Punchinello know that he had made him and that that's why he was special. And Punchinello, when he left the woodmaker's shop, he made this statement, I think he really believes it. And if you remember from the story, one of the little dots fell off, one of the bad marks fell off because he heard what his maker had to say about him and he believed it and he walked out unafraid because he believed that truth. And the same can be true of us. It's, it's the third point we're going to look at today. In verses 13 through 15, we read, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And so our third point about God that we need to remember that is so much more of a point, he knows everything about me, he goes everywhere with me, and he designed every part of me. David is in awe of the process of, of creating his own life, like each individual life on planet Earth. The billions and billions of people who have ever lived from the time of creation to now, like God pays attention to the details of weaving together each person with specific personalities and body types and 
ways of thinking and ways of feeling and interests. And it's, it's so detailed. It's, it's beyond comprehension. And David's like, I can't believe it. Like this God who, who welcomes me in and makes me secure also like made every single part of me and every part of every person. It's amazing. It's, it's a complete attention. It has to take complete focus. The word here for wonderfully complex, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And that word really means separate or, or distinct. And that really just communicates that idea that you're different from me and I'm different from my husband and my kids. We're all different and we're all specifically designed by God. Now in verse 16, we read a little more, not just about the life that God created, but about the plans that he has for us. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. David acknowledges that God knew his full existence, like from before he was ever born to the time that he would take his last breath. God knew every day of his life. It was written in a book. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you have had the, plan, the, the opportunity to plan a trip for yourself, for your family. I love it when David and I get to sit down and plan a trip with, for our kids. Like sometimes it's just a simple trip to the zoo. Sometimes it's going to our favorite vacation place. It doesn't really matter. It's just exciting to me. Like I get to plan a trip that I'm going to go on with my kids. And, and I don't think about going on this trip thinking like, well, this is everything I want to do because this is what I will like. I have to think of them. I love thinking of their smiles when they go down the water slide or when they get to feed the giraffe. Like there's so many things that enjoy that they enjoy. And I want to plan that into the trip. The other part of that though, is that sometimes I know that I'm planning this trip. I know there's going to be awesome things that I look forward to doing with them that they're going to enjoy doing. But there's also parts that they're not really going to enjoy, if I'm being honest. They don't really enjoy the eight-hour car trip. They don't really enjoy walking for like five to ten minutes between each animal at the zoo. They wouldn't pick those things, but they trust my judgment. They trust David's judgment to say, we're going to go with you. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we walk beside them and we encourage them to keep going. Sometimes we pick them up. We know it's miserable and we'll carry them a little bit. And I can't help but think that that's what God does for me, that he looks at my life and he looks at your life and he says, oh, look at all these things I have recorded in my book for them. They're awesome. They're going to love it. They might not love this part, but I'm going to be with them. I promise to be faithful and with them through it all. I, I might even carry them sometimes. That will be my privilege to carry them through those seasons that they would never pick for themselves, but I know where I'm taking them. And so that is the gift of his planning of our lives, of his design for the way we live each day. In verses 17 and 18, the last couple verses that we're going to look at this morning, we read these words. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. 
Now, I think it's interesting here because the word for thoughts used in this verse in verse 17 is actually the same verse for, or the same word for thoughts that we found in verse two. It's that idea of purposes, plans, aims, goals. So when we read that verse again, what this verse is really saying is, how precious are your plans and aims and purposes for me. They cannot be numbered. Like our God is so good and he has such good plans for us. We can't even count them. He doesn't just sit around thinking about the, what we've done or what we haven't done or how good we are or how bad we are. He delights in looking ahead and having purposes for us. Now, I have to say, I know for myself, like it takes a little bit of time and thought to plan a one day trip. It takes a, a fair amount of thought really to, to plan a vacation, to plan ahead, to decide the week, to to coordinate work schedules and family schedules, take some planning. Um, the, the truth is like, it takes a lot for me to plan dinner. Like during this whole season, when, when this pandemic thing first started and everything shut down, I took a picture of my calendar because I was like, this is amazing. I don't have anything written on it. I've never not had anything written on my calendar unless I didn't have a calendar. And so I took a picture of it and it was beautiful and it was clean. But then like two weeks in, I realized I am making the same meal every three days. It was like I lost track of time. And, and so I had to start slowly filling up this calendar with what did we have on Monday? What did we have on Tuesday? What did we have on Wednesday? Because I could not remember. And we were going to only eat the same three meals. And so when I think about God and I think about the attention that he gives to every detail of my life, of your life, like of every person in the whole world, like it's exhausting, but that's what he does. He loves it and he delights in it. It's not a begrudging thing. It's what he chooses because he made us, because we're special to him. Now this, this last part of verse 18, I kind of thought, I don't really know if that belongs. Like when I wake up, you are still with me. Shouldn't that have been back in the other verses where you talked about how God was was everywhere with me all the time, that kind of stuff. But then I thought, no, like that really fits right here because this is this is the part where he knows me and he plans my life and he's watching over me. And it, it reminds me of how like when, when we first got our dog, Riley, we had a dog before we had kids. So I go back to Riley. He's our he's our dog. And when he was a puppy, two weeks old, like I just remember holding him. He was two pounds. And he was so precious when he would sleep. And then the older he got, I still enjoyed watching him sleep. Sometimes his tail wags and he'll kind of like move back and forth while he's sleeping. And, and David and I always said he is either like dreaming that he's running through a field off leash because I never walk him off the leash or he's having a bone. Like that dream is awesome to him. His tail's wagging. It's awesome. And I love to watch him sleep. It's not a creepy thing. It's just a like I delight in him. And the same is true of our kids now. Now we have our kids and almost every time we're on a trip, like I inevitably take a picture of them sleeping in the back seat. There's just something about it. Like there's something so comforting that they are at peace when they're in my presence. And, that, and that's what God is for us. Like I can, I can lie down and sleep because God is with me. There's actually scripture that says almost those exact words. Psalm 4, 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. And so why does it matter? Why does it matter that God designed every part of me and pays attention to every little detail of my body, of my mind, of my emotions? Why does it matter? 
And when I talked with God about that this week, like I really just got a sense of because his design frees me. I don't know about you. A lot of times I feel like I feel weight because I feel like I have to prove myself, have to prove that I'm worthy, that I'm enough. Like I often question if that's why I stay so busy because I have something to prove. But, but God here has said like, no, like I created every little part of you before you were ever born. I knew everything you would ever do before you did it. I'm planning it out. I have precious, precious plans and thoughts for you. You don't have to prove yourself to me. His design frees me. And so this morning as we close, I just want to ask like today, what if today we took time to think about the fact that God made us on purpose, just the way he wants us to be? We may be tainted by sin, but we are still his precious creation. What if today, like Punchinello, we look into the eyes of our maker? What if we see his compassion toward us? What if we could hear his voice say, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. The last observation I made about this passage, I, I was having a conversation with a friend and, and she, she pointed this out. And then as I read it, I was like, that is so true. David was just in relationship with God. He was so comfortable there. He, he just had a conversation with him. Like, it's a prayer. It's a very one-sided David talking to God. And he's just saying, God, you know everything about me. You go everywhere with me. You designed every part of me. And I love that. That was his heart. He was living as a welcomed, secure, free person. He did not have a perfect story. We talked about that just a little bit. Yes, he was a giant slayer. Yes, he was a king. He was also a murderer, an adulterer. He was deceitful. And yet this book calls him a man after God's own heart. And he was that not because of his performance, but because of his submission to God, because he believed what God said about him that he was special just because he made him. Now this morning, as we're getting ready to wrap things up, I want to tell you one more story. There's a passage in the book of Numbers chapter 6, and this is, we're going to jump back to when Moses was still leading the children of Israel, and they're wandering around in, in the wilderness. And God says to Moses and to Aaron, Moses' brother, and Aaron's sons, he says, I want you to bless the children of Israel, I want you to speak this over all of the nation. And these are the words, and listen to how they mirror what we talked about today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And so this morning, I want you just to take a few minutes to close your eyes and to thank God for the fact that he knows everything about you and that he welcomes you in, that he goes everywhere with you and that he's your security and that he designed you for the purpose of freedom, of living the blessing, a life with him.